Hey, 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 guys. Welcome to the Taylor Way. It is me, your host, Don Taylor. And we're going to just give you a heads up today on this episode. As you know, if you've listened to my podcast before, you know that we're talking about the things no one talks about. We're diving deep into topics and some are light, some are heavy, some are a little bit in between. But a warning on today's is we are going to be talking about suicide. We are going to be talking about grief and loss and all of those things. And if I get emotional, bear with me. If my guest gets emotional, <laughs> bear with him. Um, but this is a very important conversation that needs to happen. It's an incredibly important conversation that needs to happen. And so today we are going to have it. So before we dive in, I want to tell you a little bit about our guest. Kyle is an incredible man who has lived in Edmonton his entire life. And he is he's dedicated to working with youth. And he has been for over 30 years. Like, that's insane. He has been with UCAN Youth Services since 2002. And in that time, it's grown from a one-person office to being a leading organization in youth work and transactional, sorry, transitional youth employment programming. He is slowly learning to understand grief as he unfortunately lost his youngest son to suicide in April of 2021. And it is a profoundly devastating journey that he has been on. And as he learns to navigate life without Luke. So we are here today to talk about this, to dive into the stigma around it, the grief around it, and the fact that love is really fucking hard sometimes. So let's welcome Kyle to the show. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Don. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It is so good to have you here. It's, it's these topics, right? It's <laughs> topics that we wish people talked about. So right off the bat, we're going to just dive right into this. I'm going to tell you guys right now, if you're listening to the show to hear what happened, how it happened, all of that stuff, shut it off and walk away because you're not going to hear. We've, I've said from day one, the show, show would never be about a sensationalism thing, but Let's start with when this happened and what it was like to go through it and how you heard. Start yeah. You so, yeah. So, um, I've been on a, you know, been on a couple of podcasts before and, and done a couple conversations about this, as you know, Don, and, yeah. and the, the way that I kind of started is, um, April 4th, 2021, um, it was Easter Sunday and it was a very normal day in our home. Um, it was during the midst of COVID and, and, um, we probably shouldn't have had my in-laws over because of all the restrictions, but we did. And, uh, <laughs> a little rule breaker. It, yeah. And it was just a normal day in, in many aspects. And my, uh, my wife and I, uh, we're here. Uh, I, I have three sons, um, Liam, Jax, and Luke. Uh, Liam, my oldest, was home. Jax, my middle, was uh, playing in the WHL at the time, so he was actually out of town. And Luke, my youngest, was home, and we just spent the day visiting and then just doing our normal things and, and went to bed. Um, so I, I, I always start that way, just to say it was just normal. Everything, everything was just so exactly what we were so used to. And... Um, Easter Monday woke up, um, we were prepping because my, my middle boy had a game that night. Uh, so we were going to all watch it together and sometime, uh, when we all went to bed, um, 
my youngest son, Luke, who was 16 and a half years old at the time, uh, took his own life. Um, and it was the day that, uh, of course, changed our lives forever. It changed the lives of many forever. And uh, it was the absolute worst day uh, imaginable. And that's when um, what I'll call my my uh, my grief walk began. And uh, and it was it, it was just the absolute worst. Yeah. So. You get hit with the worst news of your entire life. Right. The thing that yeah. no parent ever thought that they would have to deal with. Yeah. One of the things that we had talked about in advance and discussing this is the stigma that's out there on death by suicide. Right. Yeah. And the fact that it's there's shame attached to it and guilt attached to it. And people have this idea that, oh, well, they must have been on drugs or they must have been drunk or they must have been dealing with something horrible or there was some insane trauma or whatever else and you guys were just like this normal happy loving family I mean you do youth work like you like you would have seen the red flags kind of idea right and you had no idea yeah so we um I like to think we were you know, and I and I and I don't like to think. I I know we're a really good family. Yeah. Um, my wife and I, and you're going to hear the word relentless a lot as we talk, because as you know, I use that word a lot at my yeah. work. I use that word a lot in my life, and we were relentless parents. Um, very involved in all three boys' lives, um, from their their schooling activities to their education to their social lives. Um, very we have a great village, um, you know, great grandparents, aunts and uncles, um, cousins, friends, um, incredibly involved in a lot of different things. Yeah. In our community. And Luke, um, oh, truthfully, none of my boys have dealt with addictions. Um, they haven't dealt with what I would consider to be heavy mental illness, like health issues, mental illness issues. Yeah. And Luke <clears throat> from everything i mean you know for our 16 and a half years with luke was was a pretty normal dude um very very athletic um you know did well in school had a great group of friends um and and truthfully though could be up and down um but i would suggest that that's like every 16 and a half year old you know and you're right. I, I I've taken suicide intervention training three or four or five times in my career. You know, to I've dealt with this type of stuff in my career. And and although Luke had been down for a couple few weeks prior to to him taking his life, there were no massive red flags. There was nothing that made me stop in my tracks and be like, oh my goodness. And we were doing all the normal things that we that we would do for all three of our boys if they were going through a bit of a, a down spiral time. Where you know, given a little more attention, a little more love, uh, more talking, all that type of stuff, and there was a darkness within Luke that we obviously did not understand. We we didn't fully see it, 
and he obviously couldn't fully express it because he was talking to us um but he couldn't fully express the depth of what that was and what that looked like for him and you know when i say that this was a shock of a lifetime that's the understatement of my life and i i would suggest that that would be the same for pretty much everyone that knows us you know there there are certain situations that you know of i'm sure that that i know of where you know if somebody were to die by suicide you never want to say oh that's not surprising but you let's be honest it's it is that feeling of like oh it's not a shock it's not a jarring shock often yeah i think that's a good way to put it a jarring shock i think it's always shocking yeah but i think that the jarring shock for 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 probably a small amount of people though is you know it's but that again we didn't see any of that and so there is um there is shame associated with suicide, right? Because yeah. listen, there, there's so much guilt that we go through, Dawn, that it's it's incredible. And that's gonna be with us forever. Um, I have a thousand questions and yeah. they'll never be answered. They'll never be answered. And that's a very, very difficult way to live life. But where my heart breaks is is obviously for us, my wife, my my other two sons, all our our village. Mm-hmm. But my heart breaks mostly for Luke. Yeah. Obviously, it would because he was in in so much turmoil and pain internally that he ended his life, and and it's a pain that's undescribable. I I literally cannot describe the pain that we go through every day um, from April 5th, 2021. So for anyone listening to this, who is considering taking your life, who knows someone who is, please, 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 please share this with them. And I want you to hear these words. So right before we started this conversation, (laughs) now I'm going to get emotional. I was telling Kyle that I have been there and I remember laying in a hospital bed when they found me and they saved me and I lived and every part of me believed that I had failed and I was so angry. And if you've read my book, you know that I talk about this in there and hearing Kyle's words, even for me, feel like hearing a father's words to a child of what they went through and what that looks like. And I just want to challenge anyone who's listening, like hear that, the vulnerability of what he's even saying. Right? Cause it is, it's an indescribable pain when you lose someone like that. You know, it's, it's um, <clears throat> the way I described the first, I'll say two to four weeks. Yeah. Uh, and you may have heard me describe it this way before, Don. It's it's like when you watch a movie, and, and it's some movie, and, and, and a bomb goes on. Mm-hmm. And the people that survive that bomb, they're, there's a ringing in their, their ears, and it's confusing, and they don't really know where they are, and they're disorientated. That's kind of what it was like for the first 
month until that fog cleared. Yeah. But I'll I'll be honest with you, I still feel that way often. Yeah. There, there's times where both my wife and I will say to one another, we just can't, it, it's almost, it's, you know, we're almost two and a half years in and it's, it's still surreal. It, 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 it's still, it, none of it makes sense. And you, we really feel like we cannot believe that this is our lives right now. Yeah. And grief is a very, very hard thing. And grief is something that I believe I had an acquaintance, you know, grief was an acquaintance of mine yeah. prior to dying because I had lost some people in my life and, and it was hard, but until you lose a child yeah. and, you know, people say, well, we, you know, you can't compare. Well, you can compare, <laughs> you know, I, I lost my mom, not even a year after Luke to cancer. She was 67. She shouldn't have died. I love I love my mom so much, and truthfully, I don't I don't even think I've started to process it yet because my mom, who I love so much, is not my greatest loss. You know, Luke's death, the 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 loss of a child is it's the unnatural order of life, right? And unfortunately, with suicide, um, you don't have something to blame. Well, that's oh. a lie. Some suicides you do, you know, maybe it's addiction. Maybe yeah. there was an overdose, maybe, whatever. Maybe it's heavy mental illness, whatever that is. Yeah. But it's not, you know, a very, very good friend of mine um, lost his son in the Humboldt crash. And he said, Kyle, I don't know who, where you put your anger. Because for him, he, you know, the way for him, it's he was putting it all at a truck driver or at a trucking industry yeah. or whatever. I, I have a friend who lost his son to cancer. He puts all of his anger towards cancer. Yeah. Right. Um, Luke wasn't bullied. Luke wasn't sick. Luke didn't have addictions. Like, I he had don't none know. None of the normal. No. And, and, and this is some of the stuff that you and I've talked about where I almost feel at times like, like a hypocrite saying, be relentless with your kids be, because we are relentless with our yeah. kids and we were with Luke and, and yet Luke still took his own life. Yeah. But I still think the strong message is you have to be relentless with your kids. Yeah. You have to be, and you know what? Let's not even say your kids. Let's Everyone say anybody you. in your life. Anybody in your life who you have that and and you know who you think might might not be doing well, yeah. show up, show up, be relentless. And and as a parent, you know, let's be honest, a lot of young people they don't want to talk to their parents. That's normal. You didn't want to, I didn't want to. Not at but all. I think I think that we have to be annoying. We really do. We we Oh, I like that. Yep. We they, they don't they don't want to talk to you. Oh well, still knock on their door, bang on their door, go lie on their bed, go talk to them. Even if they don't talk back, eventually it's gonna sink in. And we did all that stuff. Yeah. And and it's it's yeah. So I'm kind of rambling here, but no, but. no, it's okay. Oh, don't ever apologize. 
it's grief it's words don't apologize for them break down what relentless means to you i think that there's some basic things around like you know just don't ever give up you know when yeah. you fall down you know you get back up uh um show up all the time be there all the time much easier said than done mm. right it it is i think a great definition of it is be a pain in the ass you know <laughs> I, I i i i really believe that that is being relentless and yeah. and you can take any aspect of your life and and be a pain in the ass relentlessly um you know at work you want to do better in work well be relentless you know um again show up do your best all that type of stuff but but i really do believe it it is pursuing a relationship um in a healthy way you know mm -hmm. uh, and 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 pursuing it because it matters that much that, that's what I believe it is, and and and, and interestingly enough, Don, the, the, the most relentless thing in my life is grief. It's not leaving you alone. It'll it's it'll never it'll never leave. It it will never quit. That's what being relentless is. You never quit, and grief will never quit. Grief is and an interesting so one. It won't ever quit but we get bigger than it. Yeah. I'm not right? there yet. Yeah, oh, I'm not there no. yet. I, I, I think for me, what it is, is learning to adapt your life around the, right. It's, it's like a chronic physical pain where you have to adapt your life around that. And yeah. you just end up getting used to it really. Yeah. But, that's what grief is to me is learning to adapt your life around it. Because uh, listen, two and a half years in, there have been some shifts. There's a lot of things that, that I'll say I, and we can do now that we couldn't do a year ago. Yeah. There's still a lot of, there's I, I, truthfully, there's some things I can't do now that I can do a year ago, which is interesting, but, but there's, there's different shifts, but it's because we are learning to live with it. You know, there's a song I forget what it's called, and uh, oh, I forget what it's called. But but one of the the lyrics are essentially the only cure for the pain is the pain. Yeah. And you gotta watch that's through the, it. Yeah, you just it's a grind every day. I wish somebody could say, "Listen, on on uh, you know March fifteenth, twenty twenty nine, you'll feel it's so good. You'll feel the way you felt <laughs> that on April fourth, twenty one, the day before Luke took his." But that's not going to happen because if, if that were to happen, then I go, okay, put my head down, grind it out. Let's go. But that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, I, I've read that the, the depth of your grief is the, the reflection of the depth of your love for that individual. Mm, yes, it is. And that makes sense to me. You know, I mean, it, listen, there's tragedy all over the place. There is. But if you're not connected to it or you don't have that that love connection to it, it, it kind of doesn't affect you, right? Not in the same so, way. Not even close. Not, not, just, yeah, I mean, you just kind of, the world moves on, right? Yeah. But when you're in the midst of this, your world doesn't move on. How, how, do, I, how do I move on from my, 
sweet, beautiful, perfect Luke. Because he was, he was, he was my my boy. He was your baby. So how do, how do you move on from that? Yeah. You can't. So what we're trying to do is somehow move forward by still carrying him. Yeah. But it's really hard. And then there's all those things that go with it, and we can get into this if you want. All all the things around the guilt, you know. If you're the, willing the, the, to go there, let's go there. The living constantly with the. If I would have done this, I should have done this. Maybe I could have done this. Like all these different things. I literally think back to, okay, when he was, when he was three years old and this happened, maybe I should have reacted this way instead of that. Like you literally question every single thing you, you did as a parent, Mm -hmm. everything. That's hard. Have you... So some of the stigmas, right? So many of the stigmas attached to suicide are that, right? Is is that there's, you know, a judgment from the outside. And I've heard this before from people where there is, you know, a death by suicide, which is really a death by mental health, that... You know, people on the outside are like, oh, wonder what happened in their family. Wonder what was going on with their kid. Wonder, oh, I bet yeah. you they were not good parents or whatever. You know, like you hear yeah. those things. And I've often said that, like, my parents struggled with me, but my parents were phenomenal parents. They were amazing parents. They were amazing grandparents, amazing friends and family. Maybe not to me, but to everyone else, right? And it wasn't that. Like, I actually truly to the core of my being believed that I was doing them a favor. Like it was an act of love from me. Right. Which is what's so wild. Right. And so when I've heard that before, you know, or even like when a celebrity dies in that way, you know, all of the judgments and the stuff that's attached to it. And I'm like, no, Nobody, no, there's like, (laughs) it's interesting because, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit where I don't know if we've been judged, you know, I'm assuming I've been because I'm assuming, um, listen, we've all been there. We've all, we've all heard of somebody, um, dying by suicide and, and right away you kind of go into this, Oh, like why, how, like, like you start asking all the questions too. And then you really start analyzing like, you know, where they come from, yeah. what happened in their lives, all that type of stuff. And so I'm assuming maybe that happened to us, but, but honestly, if it has, I haven't experienced it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because I just, I refuse to be judged. Yeah. You know, and I'm not trying to be all like, oh, I'm a, I'm so strong. I won't be judged. But I, I just I just look at it. And I, and truthfully, part of my attitude is, and I know we can swear on here, part of my attitude is if you want to judge me, like, fuck you. Like, I, <laughs> I just, go ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I know, even though I, 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 we all blame ourselves. And, and, and even though I, I blame myself. And a lot of people go, well, you can't blame yourself. Well, that's. 
it's easy. That's easier. Easier said not, than done. Yeah. Right. Like rationally, I know it's not my fault. It's not, it's rationally, I know it's not anybody's fault. Yeah. But emotionally, that's almost impossible to, for me anyways, to separate the two. But I know that when, when Luke, the, the, of course we had, you know, we're, people were being notified. The school, Luke was in grade 11 and, and they reached out to us and said, how do you want it? Because I, I don't know, I didn't know any of this. Um, or maybe I did, but I was in such a fog that they would put out a, a like a notice, right? Like school, yeah. school division wide. If, if they, if a child dies, they do that. And they yeah, asked us, the, that. yeah, they asked us the language, like if, 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 if we were okay, if they put the, the word suit, like how he died, the word suicide. Mm-hmm. And we huddled up and within like a minute, we we're like, well, yes. Like, like my question was more like, well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. And, and maybe that's just the way we are. Like we wouldn't, uh, well, I'd like to think we wouldn't judge others for it, but our, our initial thought was no, like we're not ashamed of Luke. I'm so proud of my son um, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of him and I'm not ashamed of, of what he did. And our next thought was maybe this will get people talking, you know, maybe this will actually have parents, you know, you've seen it many times. I've done it and said it whenever young people have died where I'm like, well, I'm going to hug my kids a little tighter tonight. I think that's great. That's good, but you got to do more than that. You, you, suicide you is to. not suicide is not an easy thing to talk about. Like, like who who wants to talk about suicide, right? And but yet, I think it's so important for for families to discuss it. Yeah, you know, not every day. Not like not you know. Hey, every day at supper, let's talk about it. But but I think it's good to be checking in with with your kids and with people in general. I really do believe that. And so that's another reason why we said, no, you let people know that Luke died by suicide. And then we kind of went a little bit public with it on social medias and, and stuff like that. And, and it honestly wasn't to garner attention to us or, or garner attention to, you know, it was more garner attention around, please go talk to if you are suicidal, go talk to somebody, or if you know somebody that you think might be, go talk to them. And yeah, but there, there is that stigma and that shame, right? There's all oh, that so person screwed up. And, and I agree with what you say. Suicide is death by mental illness. And, and obviously Luke had mental health issues that we did not recognize. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's can a, I say, can I say not even that you didn't recognize, but that he hid really well? Yeah, I, I, I think he did. I think he did. I, I, I've met other people who have been in your situation, Dawn, who, yeah. um, who attempted. And it would be a similar story. Of I thought I was just going to rid the world of something bad. Yeah. You know, like, I thought this would be better for everybody else. And and if that isn't mental, illness, oh, it's mental it? illness. It's hundred percent. Right. It's mental illness. But I also think that we are 
some people just internalize and some of us do just keep secrets. I remember when my book came out and talking to a few people, one of my family members was like, either I was the worst, it was my brother. He's like, either I was the worst brother, or you were the world's greatest secret keeper, which was it? Right. And I said, honestly, right. probably a bit of both, but I'm an <laughs> incredible keeper, secret keeper. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's, an it's an interesting way to look at it because um, Luke was a pretty quiet guy. You know, I mean, Luke was hilarious. Yeah around here like you know luke would talk and talk and talk and talk with his buddies he would talk but he, for the luke luke was as he went into his teenagers anyways he just became more introverted yeah. but not abnormally no oh and i mean my oldest boy is quite introverted yet he's one of the funniest people i've ever met in my life oh us introverts we're hilarious yeah. right. <laughs> you and just gotta so, get us comfortable <laughs> so interesting that that you would say us introverts because people in my opinion don't know who's an introvert and who isn't an introvert because I would not look at you as an introvert. No. Right. So, you know, but I would say you could look at Luke as, as he was an introvert, but that that's a strength, you know, I, I also used to have, and I really did have the attitude that, well, suicide was weak and selfish. Mm, there's a stigma and around it. Huge stigma. Huge, massive stigma yeah. around it. And, and I, oh, I guess it took my, I guess it took my son yeah. taking his own life to, to, Luke was not weak. Luke is one of the, the strongest, most bullheaded people I've ever met in my life. He really you mean was. He was your son. He was my son. <laughs> Luke, Luke was so relentless. If Luke wanted to do something, he was relentless. Yeah. He was strong. And you know what? Was Luke selfish? Yeah, because every 16-year-old is selfish. But I if Luke would see if Luke would see the carnage and the aftermath what has happened here luke would have never luke would have never done that he just because luke wasn't selfish so again i look at it it was described to me this way and i like i like the analogy of it was it's it's a brain attack mm -hmm. you know it's 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 like a heart attack or or you know his brain failed him yeah his brain failed him and he could not see past that moment you know what, can we just pause there for a second? Because I think more people need to hear that is even when it comes to mental health, when it comes to any of this, his, he had a brain attack, right? Like his brain mm -hmm. failed him. Mm -hmm. And if you're lucky enough that in your depression or in your dark place or in your trauma or in your whatever, that you do reach out to someone and you do find someone that can work with you. And you do, you do find that glimmer of hope that allows you to fight for yourself. You're actually lucky. Mm -hmm. Right. Extremely like You're extremely lucky. lucky because a lot of people don't believe they're worth fighting for. A lot of people have had that ingrained in them. A lot of people have been gaslit 
to believe that we're actually okay when we're not to believe that we're not broken when we feel broken. You know, it's, I think that more people need to look at it as a brain break, right? It's like a heart attack, but in your head. Right. And I, and I also looked at it where like, you know, I'll use me as an example. I'm not the healthiest guy. I smoke. I'm a, you know, got some extra pounds I could lose. Some, you know, some would say I'm a heart attack waiting to happen. Well, if you think about it that way, and then you just think about mental illness, well, Luke knew that he wasn't doing well. And then like a heart attack, you don't know when it's coming. No. And I actually, talking to a couple other people that I know that have gone through this, it just, it just happened. It was just, you know, they obviously planned it out and this and that, but it was like, there, there was no, for them, there was no turning back. No. And that to me is a brain attack. Yeah. It really is. It, the brain failed them. And I believe that that happens to many people who take their lives, you know, that, that are not yeah. strung out on drugs or completely hammered or, you know, that's what I believe in. And, and it's, it, it's, it, uh, it's brutal. It's brutal. So how has it shifted your relationship with your other boys? How has it shifted your relationships with people closest to you when this deep, crazy love has hurt you so hard? How has yeah, that been over these last two and a half years for you? Yeah, I think there's a few things to unpack there. I, I think mm-hmm. with with my other boys, um, and I, I, you know, I'll never tell my wife's story or my other boy boy's no, story because absolutely not because I can't understand what they're going through. Yeah. Right? Like our relationships were were very different with Luke because you know, father to son, mother to son, bro- brother. But as far as the other boys go, I mean, we are hypersensitive now to happening in their lives and and that that's hard like it it can at times almost be i don't want to say debilitating but it it does turn into a thing where you know it's just a it's a constant worry because again like this wasn't supposed to happen to luke yeah there were no signs Right. And so it, 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 and that's a tough way to live. And I actually feel bad for the boys sometimes because I think it's probably a tough way for them to live knowing that mom and dad are literally, you know, I mean, they're 20 and almost 22 now. And, you know, there's times where you feel like they're three and five years old because you just want to, you want to be at every single moment of their lives to make sure that they're okay. And, and so that's tough. Um, you know, I, I check in a lot with those boys and to the, and they're very gracious with me because I'm sure they just want to say, shut up, dad, like get lost, <laughs> you know? but they're, yeah. they're, they're very gracious. <laughs> um, it's just very hard for them. It's very hard to watch what they've gone through. Uh, you know, they were, they were 17, almost 18 and, and, um, 
you know, 18, almost 19 when this happened and, and their lives are, are changed forever. You know, my boys were very close. I mean, we, we, we had, we had all three of them in three years and nine days, you know, and, oh, and, wow. uh, you know, they're brothers, they did brother things, they fought, they did all that stuff, but, but, but they were very, very close and just, yeah. But, um, and as far as others go, I mean, I don't know, like it's, it's interesting. I have to step back often, Don, because I have to step back and go, okay, Kyle, that is relevant to that person's life. Like that is the worst thing that's happening in that person's life. This mm-hmm. is the way I'll explain it. I would say, I would say that my empathy levels uh, have increased profoundly for other people yeah and and yet they've decreased not profoundly but they've decreased for some as well <laughs> and the, the the reason i say that is because i i see i see a lot of people just differently the people that are going through different things i have a, one of my best friends his mom has has alzheimer's and like full-blown alzheimer's like it's just so sad and yeah. I see him differently and I and and probably even more so I see his dad differently because they're grieving the loss of this amazing woman who's still alive. Oh, it's and it's like a yes, death every day. Yeah. Right. And so I really see them differently after Luke died because of the grief part. Now, I also see some people differently whenever they're bitching and moaning and complaining about something in their lives. And I'm like, are you, I just sitting there thinking sometimes, is that seriously what you are kayaking about here? Like, give me a are break. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but, but I have to step back and go, no, that is the worst thing in their lives at this moment. Oh, the and- amount of times I talk about that with clients where I've had clients that like apologize for coming to me because I feel like other people have it worse. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There isn't a chart. There isn't a comparison. Your truth is your truth. What you've been through is what you've been through and how it affected you is how it affected you. Right. Right. But, but maybe I'm just a bit of an asshole sometimes because I, oh, so no, I we all have those moments. We all have those moments. I can't do that all the time. Sometimes I'm like, no, that really isn't anything to be that upset about. Like, suck it up, muffin. Like, give me a break. <laughs> okay, but... my one is the the when someone compares the death of their animal to a child or a parent or someone, and I'm like, and I've had that a few times. Yeah, and I've for had... the for the pet lovers out there, I'm sure you're mad that I just said that. And a lot of people fully believe that you grieve them just as strong because they're a member of your family. I can't agree. I'm here to tell you that it's it's actually it's not the same. No. And our dog, um, we have our dog because of Luke. Luke was relentless in us getting a dog. And oh, and our, funny. our little Callie is the most special. Um, she is everything to all of us. Yeah. And so I understand the deep, deep love of a pet. I fully understand it, but it ain't the same. No. Like, it just... And so, I've had a few people do that. Uh, you know, things that get said or done, it's all around the topic of, of what my wife taught me. She learned it somewhere around grief illiteracy. 
yes. right? And and being grief literate or grief illiterate. And that's what I spoke of earlier, where, where prior to Luke dying, grief was an acquaintance of mine. Yeah. And after Luke died, it is just, it's literally embedded into me like it's 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 weaved all through my every fiber of my being now and mm-hmm. prior to Luke dying I was grief illiterate and truthfully I am still grief illiterate and and what I mean by grief illiterate is when people say things to you when people compare and say oh no I remember losing our dog it's just such a, a an illiterate thing to say to someone grieving deeply or things like you know people will say oh i understand and it's like no you no, don't, you don't. Um, but on the flip side of all of that we don't get mad at people Mm-mm. like it hurts us to be honest with you but they're not intentionally trying to hurt us no they're not people, people don't know how to handle grief our our society has no clue how to handle grief. And I know this because either did I, and truthfully, sometimes I still don't. I've uh, right after the two year uh, with Luke, there's a, there's a, a person I know and they lost their child suicide. And, and I, I knew this person and this, the mom reached out to me to let me know via email dawn i had no idea what to say to her i had no idea how to respond to her because so i i'm grief illiterate still right and the, the and i think the reason i i didn't know what to do or say is because maybe my grief literacy has led me to to, to realize there's nothing people can do or say no literally nothing so when people are grief illiterate you kind of can't be mad at them you know you can't be upset with them i would just encourage people that if you don't know what to say or what to do that's okay then just don't say anything now when i say that i think it's good to show up you know here, here's something to, uh, sorry, this is turning into the educational piece of what to say or That's do. Okay. To- That's honestly, I always ask, like for someone listening, what recommendations would you have on if someone in their life is going through this or someone they know is going through this, what would you say? You know, this is about grief that I'm talking about, but it's really about anything when someone's going through a hardship. Yeah. And I've done this many times is where you drop the, let me know if you, if I can do anything for you or mm-hmm. let me know if you need anything. Guess what? I'm not calling you to tell you what I need no. or what you need because I don't even know what I need or what yeah. you can do. Now, there's some different things like, you know what? Maybe you could cut the grass for me or maybe you could, but I'm probably still not going to do that. So my here's one thing that I would suggest is that if you... Are, are, are supporting somebody who's grieving deep for what whoever whatever that loss was whoever that loss is just do it just do it 
If you think they need a meal, just do it. If you think that they would love some chocolate chip cookies, just bake it and drop it off on their front door. If you think that they need some some groceries, if you think that they need whatever, mm-hmm. just do it. And because guess what? If they don't need it or they don't want it, they just won't use it or they won't eat it or they won't do it. But does that matter? I don't think it does. No, not at all. Not at all. So that's that's something that I would say. Um, yeah, I would say that. And and really, just show up. Just show up. And if, and and maybe you just show up and you don't even talk. You know, maybe you just show up. I had people that literally just showed up and just sat with me, and and that was that was needed. And they didn't have to do a lot of talking and maybe while well, I'm a talker, but maybe they were listening. Maybe they, that, that's all you have to do. And I would also encourage people to continue to do it because continue like, to show up. continue to show up because like, like we said earlier, the world keeps moving. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, and, and I think, you know, this with all the work you've done is, is that support, which was overwhelming how much support we got we're very blessed yeah and, and but and it we were... disappears really quick it it fades it fades yeah. away and then it's it's pretty isolating yeah it's pretty lonely and i'm a very social being um i have a lot of incredibly incredibly good people in my life but I kind of self-isolate a bit now because I almost feel like, well, I don't know if they, I don't know if they want to hang out. Like, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's it's all weird. Everything changes. Everything's just weird after. Right. Everything changes. And, and, you know, so just keep showing up and don't have, don't have the expectation that that person's going to respond to you quickly or even respond at all. Mm -hmm. Just, sending a heart emoji just keep sending text messages voice messages whatever that looks like and you know we had we had a few things um that happened although that hasn't happened for a bit now um and i don't know who we have no idea who would do this but um, and I won't get into all the details of, of how we do this internally as a family but but we do five hearts forever mm-hmm. five okay and just randomly on our front door like we have our front door and then like to the side there's like a kind of a window like you know yeah and just randomly because you know how windows get dusty and stuff mm-hmm. like on the there would be five hearts in the window oh, we have crazy. no we have no idea who who it, it happened about four or five times yeah. no idea who did it no idea when they did it. Yeah. But, but I'll tell you, it, it was, that was pretty special. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, I just encourage others that if you're supporting people who are grieving, definitely just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. And and accept their, their moods and accept their ups and downs. and Whatever and, their capacity is. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's it's not about you. No. This, that's a big thing that I've learned. 
I've always kind of felt that way, but but after Luke's death, I've really, you know, you you can look inwardly or you can look outwardly, yeah. and you can love inwardly or love outwardly. And I do my best to love outwardly as much as I can because it ain't about me, you know. It isn't. I I just want. I do want others around me to feel comfortable with our situation and feel okay about our situation. So I do my best to try to accommodate that for others. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I can see that. that. It is, but it's important to me. And, you know, I mean, the whole idea of love. You know, we talked about my other boys earlier and, and what has that done to relationships around love and love. My my two of my boys in school had a had a teacher in grade six, and I won't bring names out, but she argued to say I, I thought it was funny. I love love. She always go, I love love. And I'm like, Yeah, whatever, that's so cheesy. But yeah. at the end of the day, we all love love. We all love to be loved, we all love to feel love. I don't know about you, like, I love giving a gift probably more than receiving a gift. Oh, always. Yeah. But when you love that hard, be prepared for the pain to be even harder when the loss happens. Yeah. And that's a tough thing to wrap your brain around. I also say don't let that be what holds you back from loving hard. Right. Right. But, you know, you like to talk about things on here that other people don't want to talk about. Um, Yes, I do. I'm going to tell you right now that sometimes, not all the time, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I want to, well, I'm going to say it anyways. I shouldn't, whatever, I'll say it. Um, There's there's times that I wish I had never met my wife because then we wouldn't be going through what we're going through right now. There's times that I wish I never had kids because then we wouldn't be going through what we're going through right now. Yeah. Now, is that a selfish thing to say? Yep, it is. And some people go, no, that's not selfish. No, it's, no. Real. It, it's, it's real. It's real. But it is selfish. It is. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat and say anything, but, but I'm also okay to be selfish sometimes. Grief mm-hmm. is selfish. I'm okay to be selfish. Mm-hmm. But there are moments, not a lot of them, but there are moments where I'm like, yeah, I wish none of us wish that this was our life that we're living. No. And so there are times that if I'm a brutally honest about it, and I adore my wife. My wife is the greatest. And and the hardest thing for me, other than losing Luke, is watching my wife. It is so undescribably painful to watch. What she's going through as a mom, because I actually do think it's different, mom and dad. I really do believe that. And it's not it's not to belittle pain from from a father's point of view or or any of that. But I didn't carry Luke for nine months. I I didn't I didn't give birth to him. I, I didn't you know, you like, and it's different. It's, it's just, different. it's just it's different. Just, and it's just so hard to, it's just so hard to explain. Yeah. 
And and I, I one thing I'm, I'm very and it's a maybe it's a weird way to put it, but I'm so proud of of the four of us because on April sixth we all got up and we showered and got dressed and we tried, and we have literally all got up and showered and got dressed and tried every day since, which is and, incredible. And I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I would love to just sleep for six months, but but we can't. Yeah. I guess we could, and I'm not judging for any anybody. I've who tried. Does. I've tried. You can't actually sleep that long. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and I'm not judging anybody who who you know. There's different vices that people get into, and yes, and, everyone has their own way of dealing and healing and grieving. But, and but somehow we've done that. But again, when you love that hard, mm-hmm. when loss happens, I actually look at it like that feeling that you get from from truly being loved, right? From yeah. from your partner or or for me from my kids. The 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 pain is a hundred times worse. Yeah. Uh, well, how do you say worse? Not worse. Because love is so good. Love is actually, so good, but the it's harder to deal with the loss. It, I how about this? I feel that love, but I actually think that I feel that pain mm-hmm. a, a million times more than I felt the love. And I think that that's what, and I've said it before in a couple other things. <clears throat> what I what I miss the most is the love and the exchanges of love. Mm-hmm. That's what I miss the most. And and it's all those exchanges of love that you have with loved ones that nobody even knows about. Yeah. You know, the little looks, the inside jokes, the, you know, just all the little tiny things. And I could list you a thousand things that I miss. Right. Of and it, it's hard. And there's, there's certain things that I, you know, that I, have a hard time with i luke and i used to watch jeopardy i know so nerdy we'd watch jeopardy when he was a little boy we'd watch it and i mean i always thought i was pretty good at jeopardy and he yeah. would try real hard and we'd just beak at one another and tease one another and and i if if i'm flipping the tv and jeopardy's on i cannot watch jeopardy anymore you know with little things like that you know you know I, so having not, I've never lost a child. I'm just putting that out there. This is not a comparison, but it's interesting having lost my mom in 2008. And I actually talked on your podcast about that as well, but a few of the things that were cool was when the shift happened, you know, we talked about like 2029, if the magic could happen that you all of a sudden would feel amazing. I have often said to people that the grief, the loss doesn't go away because they're still lost. They're still gone, right? But there was a shift that happened where I could shift it from she's gone and I'm grieving that and it hurts so bad to how do I honor that different and can I have a little piece of her back by doing those actions and activities? So by going to do our favorite things, right, by going to the greenhouse or planting the garden or, you know, watching the Jeopardy show or, you know, my mom and I bought each other a Christmas CD every year. 
it was this dorky thing. We'd both find a CD and then we'd buy each other a copy and we'd send it to them and mail it to them or give it to them. And the amount of years I went without buying a Christmas CD or refusing to listen to Christmas music. And it took a really long time, I'll be honest. But I, like, and I had hurt with my mom, right? But the year that I was like, I'm going to buy a Christmas CD <laughs> and I'm going to do this and it's going to hurt like fuck. I'll be honest. It was a very like a big moment for me. And, but I did it and I could find a little piece of her in it and laugh about it and think how funny it was. And one year I bought her like the Boneyum Christmas CD and she was like, what did you buy me? Like she was so mortified at how bad it was. Sorry, Boneyum. And you know, I got an opportunity last year to actually go see them in concert. And is it because I love Boney M? No, but I went and I sat there and at times just cried thinking of like, this is the kind of thing I would have done is bring my mom to a Boney M concert to trick her, knowing that she would have just been like, really done. Like, yeah. why did you do this? And so that's the thing is you were able to cry, but laugh and, and have right? those yeah. But there's been an interesting shift, right? And I, I'm i excited for the day that some of that shifts for you. And it might not mm-hmm. be for a long time, but where you can do those things again, where you could sit and watch the show and have the cry and laugh about it and then guess at what he would have guessed or what he would have said and, and still feel like you're living with his legacy and a piece of him yeah. in those moments. And also finding someone, and this would be my one recommendation for people listening, is as much as it might be hard, if they want to talk about the person, talk about them. That is probably one of the hardest things I dealt with was even in my grieving and in my healing of our relationship and my healing of stuff, I still needed to talk about my mom. And it felt like nobody wanted to talk about her and it felt like she was forgotten about and no one would discuss her. And I finally found a couple people that engaged me in that. And even if it was so hard for them and they'd comment on that sometimes and I'd be like, thank you. I know how much this means to have this conversation. And we would just, just laugh about her, talk about her, compare stories and, and just, like invite her into current life. Yes. Yes. So it's interesting that you bring this up because I'm, I'm really struggling with that still. Yeah. I shouldn't say still, I've been struggling with the whole time and, and, and I think I'll continue to. And so when we talk about stigma around suicide, mm-hmm. um, a big fear that we have is people are going to forget Luke. Yeah. Because if someone dies in, in with natural causes or someone maybe dies unnaturally with, with uh, you know, a, a car crash or, or an yeah. accident or whatever, quite often their lives are celebrated. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They're what we've realized is that this is my perception anyways. And it's you need to know, this is my perception that I think people, some people look at Luke this way because this is the way that I'm still struggling to not look at Luke this way is that he was a sad 16 and a half year old boy who died by suicide. 
And that's not who Luke was. Like if 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 you would have known Luke, Luke that I've already talked a bit about him, right? Like that's that's not who he was. But when when and and we didn't have a service for Luke because it was during COVID, and we could literally have ten people there. Oh, which made it even harder because you couldn't have we celebration. Could, we couldn't, and it's not even the celebration. There would have been no celebration for us. Like that's that's maybe it's not even a stigma when someone dies by suicide how do you celebrate them like that's that's i'm i'm and i believe that you can like don't get me wrong i'm actually gonna start i'm I'm doing some work on myself i'm I'm going into a uh therapeutic type thing that i'm gonna start here in the fall where it's it's about reintroducing yourself it's all based on suicide but reintroducing yourself to your loved one because I need to celebrate Luke. I need to do those things that you just talked about eventually. I really believe that I do. And, but, you know, you you hear of of whatever, celebration of life services or whatever. If people that take their lives, like quite often, even at the service, that's not talked about. And it's, it's, it's just so somber and so sad. And again, we didn't even have a service. So truthfully, we don't talk about Luke very much, and, and I, I, I don't want to say that because we do, but not in the way I want us to get to a point where we're going. Oh, Luke would have laughed his head off at that. Oh, Luke! I oh, remember when Luke did this. Oh, remember, and we do a little bit of that. It's it's that's where a bit of a shift is that's happening a bit. Mm-hmm. But I want it to become embedded into our daily life, and. So can I challenge we, you on that? Yeah, hang on for one second. Sorry. <laughs> one thing I was going to say was we love when people send us a message or when we're talking to people when they say Luke's name. Oh. Because then we're going, okay, they haven't forgotten Luke. Yeah. You know, we've got a family friend. I'll say her first name, Gina. And she's just the best. She's she's. She's our friend's daughter. She's 20 years old. And on the 5th of every month, the 5th of every month since Luke died, she sends my wife and I a message saying, I'm thinking about you. I love Luke so much. And I'm telling you, Don, it means so much to us that she does that. And I think mostly because she says Luke's name. Because a lot of people in our lives, we just don't talk about Luke. Now, let's be honest. We also don't talk about our other kids constantly. Yeah. Right? But the sad part for us is when we get together, and we actually don't even do it that much anymore. And this is a reason why. is because when you get together, and we hope that we'll be able to do it more in the future, but when you get together with with people that you've kind of raised your kids with, well, you're giving updates on all the kids. You know, we have no updates to give. Luke... Luke is 16 and a half years old forever now. And that's hard. That's hard. What's your challenge, Dawn? What's your challenge? My challenge would be start with one tiny thing. And whether it's always, you know, a favorite food that he loved at Christmas when you guys are together or something like that. I started it because my my mom passed away when her grandkids were quite young. Yeah. 
And so I started in a way of my mom loved doing puzzles. So I always have a puzzle going on the table and everyone used to laugh at me for it. And now it's become a regular thing at Christmas. Yeah. Right. And I just make like funny comments about it. Now the kids are doing it and it's really funny because it's like, they act like they know grandma because they've heard me talk about grandma so much yeah. that I'd be like, Oh, you can't start in the middle. You have to sort the edges first. Grandma would not be impressed. Right. Yeah. Or laughing about silly things. Like, do you remember when mom got mad because we did this at the table and she put literally dish soap down our mouths because that was what she, like, she was just so angry and held I us grew, down and did that. I, I, grew up, I grew up with soap in my mouth a lot too. So. Right. But like, yeah. It's, it's just little things. And it started for me of every single time I'm with my siblings or my nieces or nephews that I would try like one time a day, just one time a day, somehow incorporate a mom's story. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And, and it, like I said, it's something that, that in, it, even subconsciously, obviously we're, we're, yeah. it's starting to come around a little bit more. Um, truthfully, my wife's better at it than I am. I'm hopeful that what I'm going to do here in the fall will bring me to a, a better space that way. But again, Luke's identity needs, it needs to shift for me. Yeah. And because it's, because I know, I know that that's not who, who Luke was. Yeah. So that's yeah, tough, you know, and, and again, it's, it's the stigma around suicide. You know, there, there's that terms that we do, there's terms that we don't like. I, I really appreciate how you, the language you use when you talk about suicide, because neither of us have said the C word yet. Oh, yeah. And I'll say it just, just in case people think that I'm talking about another word. Um, the term com committed suicide is it's a horrible term. Be because it's actually a criminal term and we struggle with the term suicide prevention mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's like for us now as, as mom and dad or brothers or, or grandparents, aunts, whatever it's, Oh, Suicide prevention. I guess we should have worked harder at preventing this. I was going to say, there's such a shame attached to it, and it makes it seem like it's always preventable. Right. And and at and the, the end of the day, survivors failed. We are a great example of it isn't always preventable. Yeah. Because obviously, if it was, we would have. And I think it's Australia that have really worked hard to change their language of even on like national campaigns and all that type of stuff where suicide is complicated. Oh, that's and, a good way to word that. And it is, it's, it's incredibly complicated. Yeah. So Luke's birthday, the two hardest days of the year for us are April 5th, the day that he died and September 30th, which is Luke's birthday. Yeah. And well, what's September is suicide prevention month. So all September on all the social medias, all, like it's just constant. It's, it's just nonstop. And yeah. listen, I'm a believer in, 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 in the cause, obviously. I just wish that the language was a little bit different. You know, yeah. I do. Um, yeah. If it can happen to our family, 
not that we were perfect, mm-hmm. not that we are, we're not a perfect family, but I do believe we're a good family and we're a family where, uh, again, it's that saying of like, it takes a village and we have this incredible village, but if it can happen to us with the village that we're involved in, mm-hmm. it can literally happen to anybody. And my hope is that anyone listening will really sit back and reflect on that and, and, and try to do everything they can to be relentless. And, and again, I use the word relentless, right? I mean, we met because you, I have a podcast, the relentless podcast. You do. And, and I it's not, it. you were, and people should go listen because your story is as the way I describe it, unbelievable because it's, almost unbelievable oh, but it's it is. it's right but and 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 the podcast is not about luke and so it's it's based around because we use this word at my work all the time all my youth workers are relentless youth workers we are relentless yeah. with these at-risk vulnerable young people that we work yeah. with and again it's it's what that description of relentless is we show up for them all the time we're we're we are literally banging on doors when they're not showing up to jobs or appointments and like yeah. we are be- that's what we do, do as parents Jeanette and I and that's what the young people need so so it's a that's a plug for you can use services you know please do check it us- we will put all the links in our show notes for anyone who needs to find Kyle, you can find him. And that Relentless podcast is just bringing people like you on and so many others to talk about how they've had to be relentless in their lives to get to where today. And there is a, there's a two-part episode on there with me and Chris Joseph, very good friend of mine who lost his son in the humble crash. And because of the most relentless pressure in our lives is grief. Yeah. But... I can't, I I heard it said this way and I say it this way. I don't believe I'm ever going to beat grief, but I can't, I've got to do my best to make sure grief isn't beating me. Mm, yes. At least, how about this? At least all the time, it can't be beating me. And because it is relentless. So I need to be relentless in my life. I need to live and I need to love. Some days it's not easy. Some days it's easier. Mm-hmm. But that's what I have to tell myself all the time. In order to get through this, I have to live and I have to love. Um, but please, listeners, this, it's a, it's a, I don't know, I think it's a common thing to say about many things. Suicide does not discriminate. No. It doesn't. It doesn't. Mental, health, mental health does not, mental illness does not discriminate. No. And I'm just begging you to be relentless in your own life, be relentless in the lives of others. That's it. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Thank you for sharing Luke with us. Your precious, amazing son. I am so honored that you hung out with us today and that you shared this with us. And for the listeners, I hope you got a kick in the gut on this one. 
I really hope you did. Not that it just hit home. I, we've all been raised with these stigmas. We hear these stigmas around us. We hear them in the news. We hear them in the media. We hear our friends talk about them. And I hope that this episode will challenge you to step up, stand up and change your language on things, change your stigmas and ideas on things, but also don't be afraid to speak up to those around you. If you, if you want to find Kyle and his UCAN services, he is executive director over there and doing amazing work in the city please check out our show notes located at the taylorway.ca for all the contact information for Kyle, his podcast. Uh, we'll post the episode I did there. So you can go listen to that. It's a very cool episode. We dug really deep on some stuff in my world and it was really powerful. Join us again in two weeks for another topic. And please, please share this with people in your life that need to hear this. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you love the show, leave a rating and a review.